Let's be honest, few humans enjoy meetings and many feel trapped in meetings. As leaders, we don't want to burden those we lead, but meetings can seem to do that more often than not. We wanted to address the pain of meetings through the Meetings with Saints Library. Here we have 15 plus presentations dedicated to improving the meetings we run. We have experts in the field addressing topics like getting people involved in meetings, staying on task, dealing with conflict in meetings, and a ton more. We'd love you to explore the full Meetings with Saints library over 14 days at no cost to you. You can do this by visiting leadingsaints.org 14. That's leadingsaints.org 14. We'll also give you access to all of our virtual libraries that educate about other leadership topics. It's really good stuff. So visit leadingsaints.org 14 or click the link in the show notes. So my name is Kurt Frankum, and I am the founder and executive director of Leading Saints and obviously the host of the Leading Saints podcast. Now, I started Leading Saints back in 2010. It was just a hobby blog, and it grew from there. By the time uh, 2014 came around, we started the podcast, and that's really when it got some uh, traction and took off. Uh, 2016, we became a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and we've been growing ever since. And now I get the opportunity of interviewing and talking with remarkable people all over the world. Now, this is a segment we do on the Leading Saints podcast called How I Lead. And we reach out to everyday leaders. They're not experts, gurus, authors, PhDs. They're just everyday leaders who've been asked to serve in a specific leadership calling. And we simply ask them, how is it that you lead? And they go through some remarkable principles that should be in a book, that should be behind a PhD. They're usually that good. And uh, we just talk about uh, sharing what the other guy's doing. And I remember being a leader, just simply wanting to know, okay, I know what I'm trying to do, but what's the other guy doing? What's working for him? And so that's why every Wednesday or so, we publish these How I Lead segments to share. making it happen. We brought all the way from Brisbane, Australia, Travis Hunt. How are you? Really good. Uh, suddenly you're listening to the podcast <laughs> on the other side of the world, different continent, and now you're in the podcast. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> I, I Really crazy. This is great. And I sort of, I kind of tricked you into this because you were like, I wanted to connect. You said you were coming to the US. We've been emailing like, hey, we should connect. And then I was like, well, while you're here, we might as well get you in front of a microphone. Yeah. And, uh, and you said that sort of relates to when you were called as bishop. Yeah, yeah. It, Tell us that it, story. It, it, I mean, it just had the same. It just had exactly the same feeling because, uh, yeah, we, Shell and I, my wife and I, who she's into, off camera here. Yeah, Shell's here. Um, we just moved into a new ward, and in the, my previous ward, ward, I'd served as a bishop uh, in the as counselor in the bishopric, and 
we thought, you know, that's when you move out of the ward, that's how you get out of the calling, right? <laughs> and, and so we thought we were very safe. The bishop was there and he didn't, there's no real reason why he, uh, we would have expected for him to be released, I guess, um, despite the fact that he'd been there a while. But uh, the stake president said, hey, can, can I catch up with you and your wife? And we, we know, I know this guy, you know, I grew up with him. He was, he's one of my best friend's dads. And um, so we just, went in and we thought, oh, this is he's so nice. Like, why does he, he just wants to catch up with us, see how we're going. What a minister. What what, what a nice stake president. And, uh, and so we were just completely caught off guard and we were just chatting and it was almost like he didn't really warm us into it either. He's just like, we're chatting, chatting, chatting. Also, um, we'd like to ask you to serve as the Bishop of Kralvo. What? Come again? Yeah. And, um, and I just remember, you know, sort of being a bit jaw dropped, like, you know, speechless and, and Rochelle just started laughing. She's just sitting next to me laughing. And he's like, uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm like, and I, we had to just clarify with him. Are you just, because we know him well. And, yeah. you know, so I thought, no, this could be a pretty sick joke. But um, <laughs> yeah, sure enough. Anyway, I guess that was, I felt nice. similar when you were like, because we were just like, oh, yeah, we should catch up. Yeah, we should have a chat. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And also, do you mind if we record an episode of Leaves? <laughs> Yeah, I love it. Yeah, sure, right. <laughs> well, and we're always striving to get, you know, more international voices on Leading Saints. And if we can do it in person, yeah. even better, though I need more and more excuse to travel to Australia. So if you can line me up with some other uh, potential guests, then I can oh, get myself to sure a beautiful country. Right? I'm sure so, I could. That's awesome. So maybe just give us the lay of the land of uh, maybe generally what the church is like in Brisbane. Uh, you got the temple there for a while, right? We, we do, yeah. Uh, when was that built? About 2002. <laughs> See, you're getting all sorts of questions. For really- yeah, yeah. I think I, it was I, part of like the, the surge of temples around President Hinckley's time, right? It was, yeah. yeah. Australia just got, you know, a couple of the kind of um, all the same temples. You get that box, you get that box, you get that box. All the same, you get them all. But nice. uh, some of the main cities, yeah, got That's temples. Great. So tell us what's the church like in 2024 in, in Brisbane? Uh, I mean, it's it's... You know, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm here in Utah with you now, and I was actually surprised how similar it is. Hmm. Um, it's, uh, you know, we we visited a ward here in Salt, South Salt Lake, and you know, it was very clear to me some of the same kind of struggles that that we experience over there are uh, being experienced here. Hmm. Um, and and what would you say some of those struggles would be, like generally speaking? Well, <laughs> I mean, it's winter here, and you know, we went to the nine thirty. Uh, ward and uh, apparently that's early that's like an early <laughs> so, <laughs> so people trickle in yeah yeah so i mean we were we were like five or ten minutes early and you know there's just no one there we're like well, is, this, is this on <laughs> like um but you know sure enough similar to australia you know yeah. as as it gets closer to the, the starting time people trickle in yeah. but you know i mean um our ex- our kind of perception of salt lake and utah is like you know just members coming out the rafters you know, there's thousands of members everywhere and um you know that just just wasn't and you know to the point where like my two boys were asked to pass the sacrament because they didn't have hmm. you know enough young men which is something that we deal with all the time in australia but i you know you don't expect to deal with it here so um yeah i mean uh, apart from that we have the same sorts of things faith crises faith transitions um i think in some ways uh People in the church in Australia can be more orthodox even than than members here. Hmm. Be, uh, I, you know, especially those that you know joined the church. Perhaps um, the, my parents' generation. You know, is that there was lots of rules that we were brought up with, and you know, if you were brought up in the church, and 
um, I think it's this generation that's sort of pushing back on some of those rules. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So maybe give us what was, how would you describe your ward during the time you served those seven and a half years as bishop? Yeah. So um, our ward, my ward was called, was it was called Kapalba Ward. It's actually been absor absorbed to, to two different wards now, but um, it was a small ward. Um, and we didn't mind that. I think everybody in the ward appreciated that it was small, but it had a very family feel. Hmm. Um, How many did you get on a typical Sunday? Do you remember? Uh, Pre-COVID or post-COVID? Pre-COVID, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pre-COVID is probably 160 or something. Okay. Post-COVID was more like 120 or thereabouts. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, small ward. Um, but, you know, we, we over the course of, you know, I was serving for seven and a half years. So, I mean, we, we really tried to um, have a family feel, have a, have a warm feel and inviting feel so that, you know, when each of the members of the ward came, they felt great about coming. And when guests, you know, visitors were in town, you know, yeah, it was often, and I would, I mean, I'd take pride in this, but, you know, they would come to you after they visited the ward and they'd be like, whatever's happening here is, is a good thing because, oh, wow. you know, we don't experience, we don't have this experience every time we visit a different ward. So um, we tried to make it super warm, super welcoming and super friendly. Nice. And we'll, we'll get into some of that as hopefully crack the code on how, uh, how yeah. you did that. Right. Um, lots of youth, would you say? I mean, as the Bishop, did you, was that a, obviously that's a focus, but was it a lot of youth in the work? Yeah. Again, I would have thought probably not by Utah standards, let's say, sure. but I mean, we had probably, uh, 20 to 30 youth, you know, 10, 10 young men, 10 young women that were kind of, and then that would fluctuate. So sometimes there was less and sometimes there was more. Nice. Nice. Um, anything else as far as the general structure of your ward or uniqueness or characteristic, or did we cover, give a good idea there? No, I think other than that, it was a pretty standard ward. You know, yeah. you have a sort of a mix of demographics, mix of age groups, you know, um, some return missionaries, some, you know, lots of strong sisters. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it was pretty. Because, I mean, Brisbane is a huge city yeah. relatively to, uh, you know, one of the top five cities, I guess, in Australia, right? Yeah. So, I mean, you have just some naturally, you just have some stability there with just having numbers of people, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, uh, our building has three wards that meet in it. So, um, and that's pretty rare for Brisbane. I mean, there's not many buildings that have you know, more than one ward, but, you know, certainly three wards is, is our building was our stake center. Um, so, you know, there's in, in the surrounding area, there's, you know, quite a, um, you know, a good kind of allocation of, of church leadership, former stake presidents, former bishops, former Relief Society presidents, stake Relief Society presidents. Yeah. yeah. How long would you say it would take to drive from one side of the ward to the other? Half an hour. Okay. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's, yeah, it's not doable. Too, right? It's not too bad. It's not like again, uh, it's not those, Utah, but it's yeah, but it's not. I don't have one of those stories where I'm like, I drive three hours to visit, you know, so and so. No, <laughs> yeah, like no. plan out my whole day, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah great. Um, well, let's jump into you know, as we do in these how I lead interviews, I ask you to maybe think about certain principles that served you well during your time of leadership, not because you figured it out, but like you said, you you felt like the ward uh, developed into a very uh, welcoming ward and felt like a family. And I'm sure there's a percentage of the ward who's watching this and being like, no way, like he did <laughs> everything wrong, right? Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, but nonetheless, that was your attempt and there were some indicators that that was happening. And so the first principle you uh, you have here is what you bring, you will eventually see in the ward. Unpack that one. Yeah, so I mean, I, I guess, um, I think when I was first called, 
I, I remember going into ward councils in the, in the in the early days, you know, really just so green and not under, not really understanding what I was going to do, how I was going to do it, but you know, just feeling a sense of like seriousness, a sense of uh, kind of over solemnity in ward councils and that sort of thing, and that's just not my personality. So I, <laughs> I mean, I, I just. I like to be in a ward councillor and I want to, if we could be there for an hour, we, we may as well have some fun as well. Like we're going to talk about all the stuff, but let's, let's have some laughs and, you know, let's have a good time. And, and, you know, so over the months and the years that I served, you know, we would come up with various focus points and, and that sort of thing. And, and I just think that um, without overemphasizing the, the impact of a bishop, because there's so many working parts to a ward, but if you are pumped about, you know, this certain thing and you, and you you exuberate that energy that's gonna everybody in the room is going to start to feel that if you kind of repeat yourself on on how you feel about that and the, and the energy is there and you don't have to be like a rah-rah kind of person but um you know the the, the release side presence going to pick that up your bishopric counselors are going to pick that up the elder scorn presence everyone's going to pick that up and they're going to go into the ward with that same energy regarding that that topic or that focus point and you know that's going to come through in talks. That's going to come through in conversations in the hallway. Um, and so you know, little by little, I feel like it, it tri those sort of things would trickle down to the entire ward to the point where you know you would meet with random ward members in the hallway, and they would say things that you said in in ward council. And I think I, I guess so. I, point being that you you really, as the bishop, have to show up um, with that 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 energy around the things that you think are important. Your vision, yeah. 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 And so was it a matter of just like walking those meetings and just making sure your, your real personality comes through or what, how did you like start that momentum happening? So it spills over to the other experiences in the ward. Well, I guess it's, it's a bit like, you know, we're, we're having a podcast right now and, you know, we, we met for a meal beforehand. It's like, it's like this warm up kind of thing that you have to do. You can't just rock up to a ward council and be like, all right, let's talk about, um, you know, baptizing more people, you, you know. So giving each person, each individual, in, also in the stewardship catch-ups that I would have, you know, like when we would have those, it's not like, okay, you know, sister so-and-so, release really society president, you know, how's uh, ministering going? It's, you know, let's talk, let's have a laugh. Let's, mm -hmm. you know, develop that relationship so that then when we would come into ward councils or, or those larger meetings, the I hate to use a teenage word, but the vibe is already there. Like, um, you know, everybody knows that it's okay to have a laugh, that we're going to have a, a, a pretty good time. This isn't going to be a drag. Um, and, you know, so I guess giving people their individual time, especially in those one-on-one -on -one moments, so that when you go into the larger setting, it's it's already warm. Mm. So, um, and people feel sort of free in that kind of environment, I think. You know, um, I think... You know, when you wake up, I just imagine in Utah, you wake up on a Sunday morning early, you got to, depending on when you have your ward council, but you go to ward council pre, pre church and it's cold and, you know, and, and you don't want to go and like, <laughs> you know, and, and then you get there and you got a, a pious bishop who's just like, you know, let's, let us pray. <laughs> like, um, it's just, no yeah. one wants to be there. And, yeah, yeah. and if they don't want to be there, they're not going to contribute. They're not going to offer up ideas because, you know, you know, perhaps that, that that kind of attitude applies to um, reception of ideas and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So, so it sounds like I mean, just even beginning a meeting, you just again, you're not jumping to the agenda or even the prayer right away, right? You're letting the room breathe a little bit. You're connecting with people, and then it sounds like you're 
develop outside of that context, you're developing relationships with every member of your ward council so that they know you, you know them, you're, you're gathering as friends and not as, well, because the handbook said we should. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, everybody has their own personality and I, I certainly don't consider myself like funny or a comedian, <laughs> but I do like to laugh. And You're Australian, so you're halfway there. Yeah. Right? That's, they, they love a good laugh. Yeah. And, uh, and I think it was important for me that people understood that yeah. so that when we came to those meetings, and I think to be honest, um, you know, when I was first called, I, I said, well, I'm just going to be me. I, ca I can't be anyone else. And I can't try and be Mr. Serious, like, um, you know, Bishop. And so I think, you know, there was probably a couple of members of that ward council initially that were like a little put off by this and just like, why, why are you making a joke of this? This is serious business. Mm. Um, and, but you know, I guess each person has their own personality and th this was just mine. And, um, I think it was Disney who said, um, you know, laughter is no enemy to learning. Mm. Um, and I used to, and I essentially a ward council or a bishopric meeting is just a learning, it's just a learning environment, really. I mean, yeah. we call it revelation, we call it whatever we want, but you're trying to learn about each other, you're trying to learn about a ward, you're trying to learn about a focus point. Um, and when you have a good time along the way, um, it, it, it comes easier, to be honest. Yeah. I actually find it, um, you know, like the effectiveness was any meet with any meeting was always commensurate with how many times we laughed during the meeting. Mm. You know, um, if it was quiet and solemn, overly solemn. I, there's a time and a place to sure. be solemn, yeah. but um, we wouldn't get anything done. Nothing yeah. good would come from it, and people would leave going that sucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and I appreciate like just this principle of what you bring, you will eventually see in the ward. Like just giving permission for your your type of leadership or those that you call their personality, allow that to, you know, filter out into the culture of the ward that if you're fun people, it's okay if the ward's fun, right? And maybe there is that bishop who's more solemn and, and yeah, maybe the ward will need that for a few years of maybe going that way, but just giving yourself permission to letting your personality spill over into your leadership and into the, the organization. Yeah. Yeah. hundred um, percent. My wife is uh, grew up Baptist. And um, she was telling me about just earlier today about her part, like every so often you would get a pastor change and, you know, it's a paid occupation, obviously, mm -hmm. but it, it's sort of similar, you know, pastor is kind of like a bishop, but when you get a new pastor, that new pastor might have a completely different personality and a completely different vision. And sometimes that would be well-received, sometimes that wouldn't, but, you know, eventually people kind of come around to it and you can't try and be what you're not. And so, yeah, I mean, certainly allowing your own true personality to come out and some people are a bit more serious and that's, that's cool too. Mm -hmm. um, and some people, you know, like us, we, we wanted to have a good time while we were there, you yeah. know, not there for a long time. There for, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. So, um, yeah. And I appreciate that, the Disney quote that, and even altering that, that, you know, laughter is no enemy to revelation, you know, oh, you can have a good time and have a very high revelatory experience. And in our culture, I see this often where, you know, we, we, we sort of overcorrect into that pious, you know, like you said, there's a time and a place, but sometimes it's like, you can only receive revelation when we're all whispering or like, when we listen to that very quiet hymn. And now we're, you know, we're reverent, like we are in primary where it's like, no, we're God's called us to these roles and yeah, here we go. Yeah. And I, I think we take, you know, scriptures around, you know, um, you know, what's the scripture about not, um, 
being light-minded and oh yeah you know, i'm sure i know it somewhere yeah, right uh, avoiding <laughs> it's flashing those, on the screen those sorts right of now. things yeah. but i think we you know sometimes we can take that a, a little too literally you, you laughed you know yeah, yeah. now we can't have the spirit no come on um yeah i mean as one of my favorite proverbs actually is that proverbs 17 22 it says a merry heart does good like medicine but a broken spirit dries the bones mm. um and you know i think the the more intimate the situation as well, the more that can you can get a good feel for that. So you know, at a ward council level, yeah, you know, we have some laughs, but you know, they're, they're, there's probably some boundaries that you don't want to go crazy. But then you know, at a, in a bishopric, you're even more intimate. So you know, there's three or four people, five people with your, your exec second your clerk, and you know, you get to know each other very well, and you know, um, how far you can go mm. within, you know, and and still, you know have a good time but you know then with that intimacy and that um ability to be who you are and for your counselors to be who they are it, it, i think it, it allows the spirit to be more um free-flowing and not be restrained by mm-hmm. uh, a bishop wants me to show up this this certain kind of way no show up how you are mm-hmm. and um yeah. 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 And I, and I appreciate, I remember, you know, serving as a bishop, we were all, we were in this inner city ward. We we're all in our twenties in the bishopric. Right. And so, and I remember there were times where as, as the bishop, I sort of had to correct the other way where it seemed like we were trying to, you know, who could say that the funniest one liner at every step of the way. And, sure. and there were moments where I had to kind of say, Hey, let's regroup here. Like, let's stay focused and let's have fun, but you know, we don't need to turn this into just a, a laughing stock. Right. So again, there's a balance, but I think the the main point is clear. So anything yeah. else with that first principle that we haven't touched on? Or- no, not really. I mean, in, in when I was, I had the for- good fortune of, I think I was younger than my, I was the youngest all the time when I was all my counselors all the time were always, oh, yeah. <laughs> always older than me. And so, um, and I, I usually would have one that was a reasonable amount older. So, you know, there was always that personality about, it, it, you know, <laughs> never let anything get out of hand, but yeah. Yeah. Good balance. All right. And the second principle is kindness. I like this. <laughs> you like kindness? Yeah. I, I think everybody <laughs> does. Everybody should be kind, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, um, I guess all these principles, they're, they're just they're just ideas without a vision. But I, I think part of our vision for the ward and, you know, I think for Rochelle and I, um, as you know, Rochelle, you know, as kind of leading the ward, um, was that the ward would be a warm place, that it would be a safe place, that it would be a, a safe haven emotionally, spiritually, physically, um, intellectually. Um, and so that when people come into the ward, they feel that. They feel that... Um, you know, whatever their values are, whatever their persuasions are, whatever their situation is, that they're welcome, um, that we're so happy to have them with us. Um, that was kind of, you know, every all these little principles kind of come off of that idea. Mm-hmm. And so kindness is just like, yeah, of course. Um, I, I love the idea that, you know, each of us is, we like to say we're created in the image of God. And that's sort of one of the unique things about our theology. You know, I, we have two eyes, we have two arms, but... Um, I think it was S. Michael Wilcox, I think, that taught uh, that, you know, it's not just that we're created in the image of God physically, we're created in His in the image of God emotionally, spiritually. Mm. All of the kind of beautiful characteristics of God that we know, forgiveness, um, that He is, you know, loving, merciful, charitable, those are in us too. And one of those obviously is kindness, you know, um, uh, which we attribute to God. And so, like, when we work with God, He can bring that out in spades mm-hmm. with other people and so um 
Yeah, I mean, as the leader, I think that that can manifest in so many different ways. It might be just simply, um, you know, sitting with people in the in the hallway or in the office, and you know, being with them in their pain, um, and not just barking. This is what you need to do at them, yeah. but um, just being really be empathetically being with them yeah. in their pain. I think most leaders really desire that you know they want to create that and sometimes they're like i don't really know how but i think the the passive aggressive battle that happens is often that the administrative drum of things right it's like all right sacraments over let's get to the to the second hours or do we have teachers right and in a bishopric you're sort of uh obsessing about these things at times and you know well there's no teacher we got to scramble or you know this person didn't show up or you know whatever it is that that sort of has this gravitational pull. And I remember I call it my Bishop Smiley principle with my counselors. I'd say, I want to be Bishop Smiley. That <laughs> I'm not rushing to make sure the primaries function as it should. You know, Let's make sure people do that. But for me, I want to be the type of guy that sits down at the pew with someone and takes a few minutes as if I have nowhere else to be but with them, right? And, yeah. and I think that's what you're articulating. Yeah. And and ideally, you know, as long as, you, as you said, you, you, you articulated that to your counselors. So um, when the people you're serving with know that and you articulate it like you did, they can kind of cover that pace. So when you do need to sit down with that person and yeah. they can see that your exec sec, your counselors can see that. Um, and they can, you know, obviously recognize it and pick up the slack and move, move those, those more administrative things along. Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah, certainly, certainly having that. Um, uh, but yeah, I think uh, <clears throat> when, when I was serving, you know, I think especially in the early days of serving, I remember having so many people come into the office and they would be like telling me how church makes them anxious and church, hmm. like their anxiety peaks on, on Sundays. And, um, and I really like, I understand why I understood why, but I also like hated, <laughs> I hated not there, not them obviously, but, um, I hated that that had to be the case. Yeah. It shouldn't be the case. Yeah. You'd hope that there'd be hope and yeah. Yeah. And, and it should be. Right? And so I guess it, it really prompted me to kind of really try and make the ward a place where you could come easily you know it wasn't a challenge to come mm. you know you could walk into the doors and you knew that there was somebody uh people there that were i guess worthy to hold you in however you show up um we use like the words worthy a lot you know and i personally don't really like that but i like the reverse of it when we can be worthy mm. to um worthy of people's stories worthy of people's um, uh, uh, vulnerabilities, you know, worthy of people's truth, uh, worthy of people's difference, you know, worthy of people's lack of testimony. Um, so that when they come, they know I can trust this person. I can, I can, I don't have to be perfect. My hair can be a bit of a mess today. I, or I, I can be doubting everything there is about the gospel. And I can still show show up and and you know have people that aren't going to be like well you just need to like you know pray more what's you know do, do the right thing more yeah. what are you doing wrong yeah um I, I love that framing of so often we talk about worthiness as am i worthy to go to church but to flip that on that it's added is church a place that's worthy to receive me and to receive everybody and that's what it really should be because then then they'll find that worthiness going both ways as as we create that community right yeah, and and I guess that was um, you know as a bishop you, you're trying to promote in yourself obviously and in the leadership group especially, but then ev amongst everybody in the ward this idea that you know be ready, be ready when you come on a Sunday because it's not about you're not coming to church for you, 
you know, sometimes people say, oh, I don't, why do I even have to go to church? It's, well, you, you don't really, not for you. You come for other people. And so make yourself, you know, equip yourself, be in a place that, you know, pre be prepared every Sunday that you, you could be a very special person to somebody on that, on that day. Yeah. So take me just into like, let's just talk about sacrament meeting. Like I, the, for the leaders listening, like the bishopric members thinking, I would love to do that. I just, what does that even look like? I mean, were there components, were there specific callings, were there, did people stand certain places? I mean, what, what led into that or is it more natural or organic? Yeah, I mean, I'd love to say, you know, I, I Here's implemented the five point plan. Yeah, Come on, I implemented these five callings, and they, you know, like, <laughs> not really. I mean, and in fairness, this whole vibe, in as much as we had any success, is not like, uh, you know, Travis and Shell. It's not down to you mean me as a bishop. It's you know, there was multiple people that invested in these ideas. Um, ward council to to you know the elderly people in the ward that. Um, you know, that still message me to this. I told you our, our ward is no longer, but they still message me to this day, you know, saying, I wish our ward was still a thing, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, so these these other people invested in the same ideas. But I guess, you know, it goes back to that first point that what you show up with will filter down, you know. So it, you only get a certain amount of touch points with the members of the ward, you know, um, when you're giving talks, you know, when you've got a lot of members, you, you you can't talk to them all every Sunday or even every week. And so when you do, you really, you're, that's prime time. And you really got to make sure that um, what you feel to be important or whatever your vision is, is um, very clear. And there's no mistakes. <laughs> not And not in a authoritative kind of like, this is the way, but just, you know, if you, if you want your ward to be warm and, and, you know, there's principles behind that and there's theology behind that, that uh, you need to articulate that um, to to the ward council so they can further on. But also, you know, when you're talking um, from the stand, um, and you know, they will they will start to grasp that. I, I, there was things that we said in our ward. Um, you know, one of the next things that I was going to talk about, but that that became buzzwords. You know, um, and the, and everybody in the ward would start to repeat them. And you know, I'd have people messaging me saying, "Oh, I did you know some of these things that we implemented?" Um, and and so I guess yeah I don't know if that answers the question but certainly um, there was no specific callings it, but when you when you get the chance you need to articulate the vision and that needs to be clear yeah. I, I'm still surprised like we, you talk about vision in the podcast a lot and I, I gather that you find it's you know really important yeah absolutely yeah. but and I think everybody understands that in theory but I'm surprised when I see um, I guess leadership not making their vision very very clear like that's the first thing and it's not like some sort of uh, billboard ad or some stupid catchphrase or something but they have to know what you want for the ward or for the stake or, or whatever it is that your, your elders quorum release society what do you want what what kind of release society do you want this to be what the, what's the vibe they need to understand what you want they may not agree <laughs> that mm. that's the best thing but they yeah. need to understand that what you what you are envisioning yeah. for you. At least they know where you stand yeah. as the leader, right? Yeah. Whether they are hundred percent on board quite yet or not, uh, they know where, where, where Bishop Hunt is coming from, right? And what, what he's desiring. And, and it's one of those things like, and I appreciate how you're saying you have to, you have to be so clear and articulate it. Right. And that's maybe easier said than done, but it's almost a part of that is also articulating what we're not doing. Right. So to create a warm feeling, you may have to tell your ward council, we're not worried about Sunday school starting on time. 
you know, or we're not worried about it ending on time or what, and not saying that that's what you did or anything, but people are that suddenly people are grasping like, oh, okay. So I don't need to rush off. Or I remember one of my infamous moments of uh, being a bishop. This is during home teaching time. We were in a very transient ward and in ward council, I, I strongly articulated the message of I could not care less about home teaching. We're not even thinking about it. And and in for an elders quorum and a release site president to hear that, they're like, well, then what do we do? Like, I will tell you what we do. Because I was more concerned about all the names on the list that we didn't know. Were they there? Did they move? We got to go find them and figure out who these people are. And then maybe down the road, we can worry about home teaching. So it's sometimes it's the, it's articulated so strongly being like, and this is, we're doing this, not these things for now, right? Because that's the vision. And then then people are like, oh, now I know where to go. Now I know what to do, right? So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, I, to be honest, I think I might've got this idea from you years ago. Oh, let's, let's pretend like you did. <laughs> but I, I mean, it just reminded me of, um, you know, earlier in, in the time of serving as a bishop, where I said to the, the ward council, like, if you're not, you know, every bishop struggles with those moments where like, you, you want to have ward council, you want to have an effective ward council and you want people to bring stuff to the agenda and they don't. And, you know, and so I, I think, I don't know if there's freeing spells for you, but, um, I, I just told them, um, if you don't have anything with the agenda, we're just not going to do world council. You know, like <laughs> I, I'm not going to like we're not going to. It's not like you know have it every every week or every fortnight, whatever you do. But um, if you're not going to participate, if you have nothing mm. from the elders quorum, if you have nothing from the least side to actually talk about, what, why would we gather? We're not going to do it. And but we, you know. With that, we also said, but of course, you know, we'd love it, to have some. Yeah, but of course, like, and yeah. and I know I trust you guys. I love you guys, and I trust you as the Elders Quorum president. I know you love all the people in the Elders Quorum. And I know you're working with them hard, so it's very unlikely that you won't have stuff. But if you don't, we're not we're not having it. Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, you know, I guess just being super authentic, as authentic as you can be, mm -hmm. as with people as well, not just. Um, I don't know. It just just the attitude of being very clear, like yeah. you just said about you know, why you would or wouldn't have it. And, you know, there's obviously more to that conversation. It's not just like, I hey, guess what, we don't have to have a ward counselor. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have nothing to talk about. Then. And it, it never worked like that. I told, I, mean, I remember even telling the ward that I had told the ward council, <laughs> we're not having ward council, uh, like from a talk, in a talk. And it oh. never happened, you know, it never was like, sweet, cool, I'm a ward council. Everybody was like, okay, yeah, no, if I have to, you know, love my my quorum. I have to love my 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 group, whoever I'm leading. Um, I'm going to actually bring stuff to talk about. Yeah, and because yeah. and I think the generally the status quo is like ward council is the bishoprics meeting, and they'll bring the agenda. They'll tell us what we need to talk about. And yeah, if I may have an item here or there, I'll bring it up. But and so I just love that enabling of like, no, this is our meeting. And yeah. so you're bringing stuff to the agenda as, as long as, as well as we are. But if there's nothing to talk about, one less meeting. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. This, I, I love that you bring up this word because I've read about this word. There's a lot of research around this word and it's propinquity. Yeah. Is this used more often in Australia than the US or is this? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'd never heard of it before hearing. So teach us what propi propinquity is. Well, according to the dictionary, propinquity <laughs> is the tendency of individuals to form close relationships with people they repeatedly encounter. Mm, um, it's like a ward. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know, I, I mean, it's not something I obviously came up with, but um, so I, I think I, this idea came from Kevin J. Worthen. Well, that's who I got it from. I don't know who he, who he got it from. Yeah, and well, there's I know the uh, 
the Influencer book, uh, which is written by a bunch of Latter-day Saints. Okay. Uh, and they're, they're BYU grads and whatnot. They've done a lot of research about influence and motivating people using this concept of propinquity. So this uh, this has sort of been debunked, but the open office concept a few years ago, the sort of um, people did that with this. Well, if we can get people intermingling more, then mm-hmm. more ideas and innovation will come out. But I think more research in that context, so it didn't really work like that. But the, the science is that as we associate with each other, things happen. Right? Yeah. And I know there's science behind it, but for me, it's, it's just like, duh. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Yeah, 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 it's one of those uh, research. Yeah, of course. That's right. not science. That's like, <laughs> of course. But um, but I guess, you know, I'm we, we, I guess in a sense, use this propinquity idea as, yeah, like kind of like a marketing buzzword kind of vibe thing. But because it's just so, just rolls off the tongue and becomes something that people can really just latch on to easily. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I guess the idea is that, you know, we wanted the ward to be together as, as frequently as possible, you know, especially with, I was a bishop over the, you know, period of COVID. And so, you know, we obviously had our downtime. And so especially post COVID, we really wanted to get back in physical connect, physical contact, physical connection. And not because we all needed to be best friends and best buddies. Um, but, you know, the, as we know, one of the beautiful things about our church is that you are with people that disagree with you, but this is all good. Like this is all part of the, like, the growth process mm-hmm. for each of us as members, but um, certainly we would we were trying to draw the people together, and you know, as as Kevin J. Worthen says, nothing propinks like propinquity, and so um, <laughs> so we would just try and get together as con- as frequently as possible, and you know, um, we we didn't you know didn't shy away from the idea that you may not like like everybody here but we are a ward family there's no getting around that and so um you know i would one of the beautiful things that i one of my best lessons um i guess from serving as a bishop was that when i started serving i would look at people that i perhaps found annoying and go it's pretty annoying you know and that's it <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad you're human this is good. Yeah. very relatable <laughs> yeah exactly but you know, you can't do that as a bishop. You you can't do that and be effective as yeah. a bishop anyway. If someone comes into you into the bishop's office, wants to talk and tell you about some stuff, and you just go, "Man, this person's so annoying," you, you're not going to help them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, one of the biggest blessings was fine looking past that, and I and I loved the opportunity to to have somebody come in and be someone that perhaps I don't naturally kind of connect with, or I'm not going to ideally go and hang out with, but to find set a challenge for myself, find the divine in this person in front of me. Um, find what makes them beautiful. Find what makes them special. Find what makes them likable. Because I, I, and the reality is I never met somebody. There was not a person in our ward that I gave that um, space to or, or tried that with that I couldn't find it. I always found it. I always found not just what was divine because, I mean, yeah, we're all sons and daughters of God, but I always found what was likable about them. Why would people like not and even love this person? I always found it. Hmm. Um, when you go into any interaction with somebody with that mindset, um, you know it's amazing how you can connect with anybody. And I guess we would try and encourage that same kind of mentality in the ward members. So then, when we we brought about this this idea of propinquity, so we're going to get together a lot. 
but don't get together and be like, great, I've got to hang out with, you know, Sister Smith again. She's so annoying. Uh, <laughs> get together and you you have a challenge. Every We all have a challenge. Find what's beautiful about Sister yeah. Smith. And, um, you know, and I think to an extent the ward did that. And, you know, when when that happened, you know, that that warmth, that, that caring environment just naturally yeah. was a result. Yeah, I appreciate this term and how, how you bring it up because I'm, you know, living in Utah, even Utah County, I, you know, I walk out my house and I can see the Bishop's house, the elders Corn president's house, right. Where, uh, you know, outside of Utah, especially outside the U S you, you could probably go Sunday to Sunday and not see a member of your ward. Uh, and, and really Sunday's the only time you really gather and whatnot. And so uh, really leveraging these moments of gathering and then perpetuating them so that it's stimulating unity, connection. You're actually sitting with Sister Smith and learning more about her, not just rolling your eyes at her comments every week in Sunday school, right? And so, it's, but it's a proactive thing. Yeah, and and that's the really rewarding part. I mean, it's when you meet someone and you're like, "This guy's so cool," and you and you get along, you make a friend. It's great. But when you meet someone and you're like, "It is that person that's saying those obnoxious things," and you <laughs> and you're like, "Man, hard to love," and then you you actually take that, you do that experiment. And the result is that you're like, I do see what's really great about her. That's really rewarding as a, as a person um, and as a, you know, spiritual exercise. And, you know, the beautiful thing is that it's not limited to demographics either. Because, I mean, obviously, you know, the ward is small. So you're not going to always um, have heaps of people that are, you know, I'm 42. So I'm not, there's not going to be heaps and heaps of 42-year-olds that, that love the NBA and love, you know, <laughs> all the same things that I love. Um, and so to be able to sit down on a couch with a 72-year-old woman and just just shoot the breeze is very and and know that we care deeply for each other is a very rewarding yeah. um, exercise. Yeah, and again, it brings so much purpose to religion in general, but even in our faith tradition, it, there's some unique parts about it that the typical person, the typical uh, American or Australian doesn't get this throughout their typical day. They don't find themselves having to engage with somebody who's a little bit different than them. You know, they can just retract into their silos and it's uh it's a, it leads to a more enriched life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Anything else about propinquity, uh, the word of the day that we need to talk about? No. All no, right. That's All right. The last, qu uh, last principle is lower the bar, increase participation. Oh boy. <laughs> I, where are we going here? This is good. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I want to just throw this in and, you know, you can edit it out if it's too offensive. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I mean, I used to say to people um, when we're setting goals and that sort of thing and, you know, ward councils and, I, you know, that people go, oh, let's, let's, let's try and get to X amount of crazy baptisms. I'm like, no, nah, let's like try and get one. You know, I, yeah. you know, I guess, um, and I used to say, and I don't know where I picked this up from someone. But, you know, let's make the bar so low that you can't crawl under it. Like, it's it's impossible <laughs> yeah. not to reach the goal. I don't know. Maybe I got it from you. I don't, I... <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, um, and, I, and I guess it's controversial because, you know, I know that there's a lot of, I mean, I even have an audio book by Brad Wilcox called Raising the Bar or something. Yeah. And, I, and I have... You know, and I know that there's been talks over the years. Over that the was last... like the missionary raise the yeah, bar, raise the bar that's ten it. or so years ago, right? Yeah. yeah, and and so we want to raise the bar, but um, I guess there's a couple of ways in which, or contexts in which I I think you know lowering the bar um, can be beneficial. Um, 
I used to often talk, you know, I guess one easy example that I think I wouldn't get much pushback on would be like testimony meeting. I would often get up at testimony. You know, you get those awkward silences in testimony meeting and sometimes people don't want to get up for various reasons, obviously. But if I always would find it troubling when people wouldn't get up because they thought they didn't have a testimony. Mm. And I would often, you know, when it's my turn to, you know, start the meeting off and bear my testimony, I would, I would say, like try and clarify with people that like every every single one of us in this room has a testimony of some sort. Um, if you are here, you you couldn't be here without a testimony that that God is good. You know, just come. You can just say that God is good. That's what I believe. Um, you know, uh, that that nature is a blessing. This is these are all you know, or that um, the word of wisdom is a is a great principle and it helps my life. You know, there'd be super basic level principles and everybody um, has those. And sometimes I think we make the, it's inadvertently, right? Culturally, we make the bar too high on simple things like that, where it's like people start to think that because of what they hear come from this, the pulpit, um, oh, well, I can't get up if I don't know that the Book of Mormon's true and that the, 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 that Russell M. Nelson's a prophet and that, you know, all of these things, these, these um, tenants that not everybody believes necessarily not everybody in the congregation yeah and we want to i guess lower the bar or increase access to participation in as much as as many things as we can i think um so you know that's a really easy one testimony meeting but <laughs> i think probably um you know other other areas where we could potentially consider that is like callings um you know i've i, I struggle with um, the idea that, you know, people need to be perfectly quote unquote worthy to, to serve in a calling, um, or that we can't find creative ways at least to enable, enable participation, um, in, you know, the activities of the church. Um, there's so many people that sit on the sidelines who are, want to participate. And sometimes through, in my opinion, bureaucracy, bureaucracy of, you know, leadership, uh, are kept from participating, um, and so I, I think, you know, you know, whether that's uh, what we kind of talk to as like a worthiness issue, like yeah. you can't serve because you, you did X or Y, Z, so you, you don't have the spirit. And I, I just, I just push back on that a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Well, I think there's a powerful principle that, cause we do, you know, we do want to raise the bar in some contexts. Like we do want them to go on the mission and there's definitely standards. We do want them to have the temple marriage and ceiling and there's certain standards there. Right. But on the, in that war, ward level, like that's a starting point for a lot of people, right? When, when somebody is investigating the church, they come to church and like, that's the step one of like, okay, I'm here. Like, so by giving them at least something that they can reach for, or even trip over being like, you're doing it, you know, like you can, you have a place here to stand and share your testimony, or you, we can find a place for you to serve, even though you feel like your life is out of control and full of sin. Like, there's lots of sin in this war, but we, yeah. we, you know, so I think it's a sound leadership principle of like giving them a starting point of saying, yeah, we're not there yet, but you're not expected to be there yet. We'll, we'll get there. Yeah. And I think it's just a mentality of looking for reasons why they can't serve or participate and just flipping that and looking for ways in which they can just like really focusing on how can mm -hmm. we enable them rather than how can we continue to prevent them or prohibit them. Yeah. Um, you know, and um, I think it was Tom Christofferson that that said, you, you know, and this is not doctrine, but it's just a thought. But um, 
you know, there's, there's a temple standard of worthiness and then there's a chapel standard of worthiness. Mm-hmm. And the temple standard is what we know it is. But the chapel standard is if you walk through the door, you're worthy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I, I think, um, you know, we, we just need to look for ways to, um, to enable people um, to serve, to participate in, in every way. Um, yeah, love it. The last question I have for you is as you reflect on your time as a bishop, uh, how has being a leader helped you become a better follower of Jesus Christ? You know, I, I think when you when you call to serve as a leader, it's you know you inevitably inevitably stretch. Um, one of my favorite videos online, maybe you can reference this afterward, is this is this video of this. Um, it's a it's like a a concert. It's like a, a festival. And you've probably seen it, but you know, there's this crazy dude on a hill and he's dancing and everybody else around him is like, it's a weirdo, man. And then gradually one by one, another person joins in and another person joins in and, you know, and you know, I guess, um, being a leader, you're, you're really like, especially as the Bishop of award, you're kind of the first follower and you can, you can, I guess, stand out there on your, by yourself. Um, but you know, as you do it and you do it well, people will come and follow. And um, so I guess um, you know, being a leader or being called to serve as a leader um, just helped me kind of refine who I am as a person. Um, and without being able to serve in that capacity, I'm sure that I, I wouldn't have um, stretched in the ways that ways that have both within a church context but in a personal context as a father as a husband um, there's certainly lead, uh, lessons in there that have helped me kind of leverage my relationships outside of church and that concludes this how i lead interview. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, I would ask you, could you take a minute and drop this link in an email on social media, in a text, wherever it makes the most sense and share it with somebody who could relate to this, this experience. And this is how we how we develop as leaders, just hearing what the other guy's doing, trying some things out, testing, adjusting for your area. And uh, that's that's where great leadership's discovered, right? So we would love to have you uh, share this with uh, somebody in this calling or a related calling, and that would be great. And also, if you know somebody, uh, any type of leader, who would be a fantastic guest on the How I Lead segment, uh, reach out to us. Go to leadingsaints.org slash contact. Maybe send this in individual an email letting them know that you're going to be suggesting their name for this interview. We'll reach out to them. And... Uh, see if we can line them up. So again, go to leadingsaints.org slash contact, and there you can submit all the information and let us know. And maybe they will be on a future How I Lead segment on the Leading Saints podcast. Remember, solve the burden of meetings by visiting leadingsaints.org slash 14 and getting 14 days access to the Meetings with Saints virtual library. It came as a result of the position of leadership which was imposed upon us by the God of heaven who brought forth a restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the declaration was made concerning the only true and living church upon the face of the earth, we were immediately put in a position of loneliness. The loneliness of leadership 
from which we cannot shrink nor run away, and to which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability.